Like I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses of the red flag. Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the podcast in which I, John Bounds, take Adam Juniper, a sensible, centrist, politically homeless, ex-New Labourite, and wave a metaphorical socialist £50 note in his face. Hello, Adam. Hi, John. I'm amazed how deep your voice goes when you start doing a radio introduction. It, it, well, that's um, I'm just I try to hide my Birmingham accent, so I have to go slow. You're politically homeless, aren't you? You're in a cardboard political cardboard well, box by the side I've got of the a, road. I've got a home at the moment, but I must say I'm a little nervous about the quality of the construction. As you say, possibly a bit of a cardboard box by the side of the road. Um, and let's hope my political bosses are not necessarily listening to this just yet. Tell me where you are and how you got there. A little over a year ago, I joined a party called Renew UK who, um, simply put, were for people like me who believed in remaining in the European Union, uh, were broadly centrist and, you know, genuinely liked things like tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. Um, and, well, the Iraq war, that sort of thing. You know, they had the advantage of starting afterwards, <laughs> not having to deal with foreign <laughs> policy back then. I'm going to say that I think foreign policy is not my issue at the moment. And foreign policy is tricky because that's something that can surprise you. Isn't the EU foreign uh, policy? I well, think. in a few months, if uh, if I don't get my way, yeah, I guess. So, what were they what were they offering? In, I mean, because it's notoriously, as we've seen, very difficult to start a centrist party. But at, the, at that time, everybody was saying we needed one, and yeah, it was and at that be a huge time, success. They needed one. We needed one, and I've got to say, it was quite quiet because no one really wanted to talk about it. Um, you know, if you try and start a party and you don't have an elected MP, yeah. um, and that seems to be the problem. So there were plenty of willing individuals, many of whom, like myself, are now selected as candidates uh, at the original meet back in uh, Westminster. Um, but not terribly long afterwards, some other people came along and started their own other third party, as we might put it. And I think we've all seen that that's not gone as well as we'd like. It couldn't have gone better, from my point of view. <laughs> yeah, Adam. that's true. It's been better than a new series of The Mighty Boosh where they've gone back to the uh, grassroots of uh, digging about <laughs> in a zoo. They very kindly stood aside um, in the by-elections that Renew fought and got 4 or 5% in. That's quite yeah. high, actually. Well done. Was it 4 or 5 votes? Not, not on many of the graphs, but I definitely remember it being an important part of the chunk for the um, Cardiff by-election, especially. You noticed that you put the pro-renew, you know, you remember the stats where they had together all the pro-EU parties because ultimately, and this is the thing that depresses me most about it all, we couldn't all just be friends. Renew and Change managed to be friends. I think it was Change that week, I forget, um, for the by-elections, but obviously it was in their advantage not to stand in the by-elections. No, and it would have been hugely embarrassing for them if they did. No, they weren't going to win the by-elections because there were other pro-Remain candidates. I think that was the problem. There were a lot of single-issue parties at the last election. You had the Greens, who people suddenly started voting for for some reason. And, and the single issue, was it plastic in the sea or was it the EU? They were very, very, very keen to come out as a pro-Remain party. We had the Lib Dems, who suddenly everyone completely forgot any of the bits, dubious history, recent history 
seven-year rule, apparently. I've never heard of that before, but it's a big thing. That's how long it takes us to forget problems. I have not heard of the seven-year rule. Um, I, think my, I think my memory may be a little bit longer than that. So the seven-year rule, New Statesman article in uh, 2013, uh, but it's come up again. It's, what, it's how long it takes normal voters, not like us, to forget and forgive. And so the Lib Dems have just clearly hit that point with the uh, student loans thing. Oh, well, the stu- they've hit that point with the student loans. Have we forgotten the 130,000 deaths due to their uh, vermint support for austerity? Or some people obviously have, or are willing to brush it under the mound of corpses. One of the problems is that they were not the party of government at the time. They were in government, but really is just a bit of a sop to it. Were they ever winning? Did they ever have any chance? I don't believe they ever had a chance, but I believe... It's, they didn't need to um, lose so enthusiastically in the way that Danny Alexander did, for example. Have you seen any of the interviews with um, Joe Swinson or Ed Davey for their... You know, they're having a leadership election. Did you know that? They're, um, have you seen any of those interviews where they are not only defending the Lib Dems record, but not even defending it in the sense that, you know, we tried our best to stop this or to temper it. They're actually saying that they did what they wanted to do and they would do it again. Yeah, and that's exactly why I found myself not wanting to join the Lib Dems or you know move over to the Lib Dems because I remember that they were not goodies and worse still, they were proud of it. This is one of the reasons why I dislike the Lib Dems so much that the Tories in between 2010 and 2015 couldn't have got all of that stuff through if they didn't have a large majority and the Lib Dems gave them that majority. If they'd had... If they'd had to go with the, you know, with a, the DUP and run a slight minority government, they wouldn't have got the NHS stuff through. They wouldn't have got the bedroom tax through. They would have been, they genuinely would have been sort of held back and restrained by the actions of the Lib Dems. But what the Lib Dems did is, the for the they sold themselves for. I'm not going to say for personal gain for ministerial cars. I think they sold themselves for a shitty shitty referendum that they were never going to win yeah no i entirely agree i think they completely completely surrendered everything for a referendum because that that was the only thing they wanted and for some reason they thought they could do something with it and i genuinely don't understand why you know they must have had access to polling to tell them that nobody in their right mind was going to vote for a new electoral system which was going to provide weak useless government well no one was going to vote for that one certainly because it was a it was a rubbish one so not all the people that you might have thought would be enthusiastic about it weren't even going to be that enthusiastic about that particular one that we were offered yeah and no labor people were ever going to be enthusiastic about it and no Tory people were ever going to be enthusiastic about it because back then there was a genuine belief that you know there could be a majority government from labor or Tories. it did give us one really interesting thing though the the av referendum it gave us the let's not spend this money on that let's spend it on the nhs meme Did it? is that where it came from so it gave it essentially created that bus yeah well yeah it did with well, the no to av campaign reckon they won almost on some posters that they did and some of them had uh, a baby sort of intensive care baby on it said uh, she doesn't need a voting system, a new voting system. Uh, let's take the 130 million 
the AV would cost and spend it on the NHS. And that figure was grossly inflated. It was essentially made up. It included, from memory, it included the installation of electronic voting machines, which no one ever said we needed to do AV. An absolute nonsense, but it did show one way to win a referendum. Who did you vote for in the European elections? I voted uh, for Change UK, um, who did not even get one through in London, where I live, in the only area where they have any hope. I did. I must admit, I didn't read my ballot paper very closely because after I uh, Caref- careful what you admit as a Labour member. Well, it was. It's re- it's quite easy for me. You just go in, you mark across against the rows. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Farage was on our ballot paper because. Uh, Despite being really quite far north, we're in the southeast. Um, Are you? Yeah. Oh yeah, Oxford's not that far north, though, is it? It's still, it's you know, it's within the southeast economic area. It's within the bits of London. London includes Oxford and Cambridge. You know that. Oh well, indeed. It certainly does in terms of um, beer prices. But but what I was mainly looking for when I looked at that ballot paper was my favourite single issue party, who were. Uh, I refer to as the Toga Party because there's some some guy, and I'm wondering if he might have uh, not, might not be very well because he's been on every European ballot I've seen um, in recent years. Basically, he stands for a good old uh, return to the values of Rome, and has a nice uh, centurion's helmet as his uh, party emblem. In the, in the space where the Tiggers wanted to put a hashtag. So, as someone who is politically homeless, I, I find myself, you know, watching Chaka on our. You know, I, I I chose a new party just before Change UK showed up, so it seemed like the right option. It seemed like the only sort of untainted, sensible ground. Because, you know, I grew up, like you, with my serious suspicions of the Lib Dems. <laughs> um, mind you, I also grew up with a Labour Party that seemed to broadly aim to the centre ground, winning, things like that, things I like. And then Chaka, you know... He's a star, he's cool. And he went off and he did the right thing. And really, you know, that was probably not the best thing from the point of view of Renew. And what was really not the best thing was not then immediately joining up and saying, look, we're in one thing. Why did why could not Renew then change UK, which had not, you know, not a party, but we are, you know, there is one issue that we keep telling everyone, you've got to sort this crap out before... Before October, or well, you used to say March, but you know, these things change. Hitler used um, to say March, Adam. <laughs> that that he did, yes. But now it's Halloween. It did seem stupid, and I must admit, I'd only heard of the party that you're in because you're in them, and I know you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure we do terribly well outside London, uh, and well, except a bit of sky writing over. Um, was it Cardiff, where the by-election was? Put a bit of money there. Where did the money come from? You know, I don't know the individual myself, but I understand that there is like a, a significant donor as well as the membership donors. Yeah, that's interesting. I always find that fascinating. I, I know it's not about um, the, the parties particularly, but the um, the the lads that uh, do the billboards that are terribly counterproductive, where they essentially put up the. Uh, the things that right-wing people say on billboards and expect people to disagree with them. Uh, the donkeys, uh, fellas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean... 
I do enjoy them, but they aren't for, you know, they're not trying to change minds, are they? They're just trying to make me feel smug about how correct I was. Well, that that seems, I don't think, I don't think that's what they want to do. I think that's the actual, I think that's the end of it. Yeah, I think that's what happens because they, they make people feel smug on Twitter and make people who actually see them, most of them go, oh, did Anne Willicombe say that? She's probably right. I tend to feel that their job is to, you know, to take the money from their, you know, from their fans to reassure, you know, it's just a, but I, it makes you smile when you laugh about what the idiots are. But yeah, I agree. It might actually be a little counterproductive. I've never, but, but I'm wondering where the money comes for, for, for all that, because I don't see that being, I've seen people crowdfund to do a billboard before. It takes some weeks of going on and on and on about giving the money. And I'm fairly sure there's some... Didn't they start by just posting it onto posters without asking? Very possibly, but I, yeah. So that someone, someone, somewhere is uh, is bankrolling them, and that's the that's the worry with all these new parties. I don't see where the in fact it's the worry with all the parties, apart from the one that's done by uh, union subscriptions. Whenever the next next election is called, the Labour Party will win it. I. I think the only th- question we're talking about is uh, how large the um, majority is or whether or not we might need a coalition partner of some kind. And uh, how many coalition partners do you think the Labour would, uh, you know, who are still going to be talking to that? Obviously, the SNP don't seem to be diminishing as rapidly as Labour might hope. My opinion is there are plenty of ways to get either a no-deal Brexit and there are some ways to get a soft Brexit or a softish Brexit. But the only way that I can see to get no Brexit is for a large enough Labour majority to let them feel comfortable about not only offering the referendum on the deal, but to to let people campaign for Remain. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I, I I understand that point, and some people tell me that Labour have cleverly and slowly engineered the. You know that it was all Saint uh, Saint JC has cleverly and gently pushed it in this direction over time and it was subtle cleverness to move the political view rather than um, maybe he genuinely doesn't want to be in the EU. I think that at this point there there are some uncomfortable realities to face. October 31st isn't that far away. Is there going to be a general election before then? Are you asking me? I think the mathematics, no matter what happens with these uh, the sort of Tory intercine loving the mathematics in Parliament haven't changed. There is no majority for no deal. There's no majority for um, revoke. There's no majority for the withdrawal agreement that May negotiated. The only way to get a second referendum is for the Tories to back it. The only way... Yeah, yeah. So it's either that or a general election. That's, I know, I appreciate I, that. I can't see anything else. But a general election isn't, doesn't belong to Labour. Labour may have been calling for them obsessively, but I don't think that they necessarily belong to Labour. The excruciating unpopularity of Corbyn in nearly every poll, exemplified by the fact that he would not go to Glastonbury this year because he knew what he'd have got shouted at him. So I I just don't think Corbyn is that popular and he's potentially facing a new leader of the Conservative Party who, I mean, is mental, whichever one they are, but presumably going to try and be popular. Whichever of them um, takes the, the Tories will get a poll bump, definitely. When we have a proper general election campaign, I'm not saying Labour will put on the nigh on 20 points they did last time, but I believe they'll put on a comfortable 10, and I think 
We'll see the movement. And I think it's going to be it's going to be a shit show because you're going to have Tories going to Brexit party. You're going to have majority of Labour form of you know a fair number of Labour will go to Brexit, but you're going to have those who think like me are quite possibly going to have to support the Lib Dems. Genuinely, would you if you thought it would let the Tories in? Well, that's my question. Does it does it let the Tories in, or does it let Labour in, or does it create a, a who knows scenario? It used to be that I would tactically vote to support Labour. Now I find myself in a position where maybe my goal is the EU, while Labour is the party it is, and so tactically, where or why why bother tactically voting for a Labour supporter? That's really hard. Why bother tactically voting? And I think um, this is a horrible thing to say, but uh, in the last general election, I live in a, um, a constituency which was a Tory uh, Liberal marginal. And I did one of those um, swap your vote things online with someone who was in a Labour Tory marginal. And, you know, I promised to um, lend, you know, lend my vote around here to the Liberal candidate and he promised vice versa... And when it came to going into the polling booth, I could not do it. I didn't. I My pencil hovered over the Lib Dem box and it would not come down. And I voted Labour anyway, because not only had I been spent three weeks knocking doors for the Labour candidates, so it would have been counterproductive to have done anything else. Um, but it was... Um, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Luckily, in the end, both of us got what we... You have to admit that you've made life harder for national opinion poll people. So, the, the, the phrase, the name of this podcast, that option no longer exists, comes from um, a, a speech that Jim Callaghan made to the 1974 Labour conference, I think. And he was basically saying that the um, the option of um, propping up the economy by a Keynesian investment no longer existed in the way that it once did. Um, and lots of people say that marks the split between Benite uh, reform of the, the economy and the more sort of, um, let's say, liberal... Uh, whether or not you want to use the word neo um, type of uh, management of the economy that Adams Adams New Labour uh, practiced, Adam Juniper, yeah, tactical voting does that option still exist? It's very hard to tell, isn't it? I mean, we don't really know who's going to be a significant player at the next election, um, because we don't know when it's going to be or what's going to have happened in Europe. Let's say it's in September. So it's going to be a pretty quick decision uh, and voting through, presumably. A lot of MPs are going to miss their holidays, right? And yet they certainly are. Oh, dear. Well, you know, fair's fair. Um, Tuscany will be empty. <laughs> Jeremy's had to cut short his walking tour of um, cold places in Scotland. It's not a tactical vote. If the election happens before the potential of departure... Labour can easily win it if they come out now with enough lead time and say, look, this, is, this has to be our position now. We didn't want it to have to be our position, or at least Jeremy didn't, but it does now have to be our position that we have a referendum with Remain on the option. Because well, That is already Labour's position. Is it? Yes. Well, it, why doesn't Jeremy say so then? Why do I have to? He has done. He has done numerous times. That's the. I think that's the issue. That's the issue that 
um, we've had six months to a year of people going, oh, Labour's position on Brexit isn't clear. and It isn't. Labour's, Labour's position on Brexit has always been perfectly clear. It's been quite nuanced, no. quite complicated, quite difficult, but it hasn't moved. It's been clear. It still remains the same. But because the I, other things can't happen anymore, it's paint, that's why it was a sort of flow diagram or a funnel. It's now referendum on any deal that includes Remain. I'm not sure I've heard includes Remain from the man himself. Certainly other people have suggested it has to include Remain. Jeremy's, Jeremy's last interview contained the words it had to offer an, honest, uh, an honest choice for both Leave and Remain voters. Why not just say what that honest choice is rather than to use a phrase like that? Well, for a start, well, for a start Labour can't call the second referendum. There aren't the votes in Parliament for that. And also, it uh, you don't know what the you don't know what the situation will be like when the bloody thing will get called. That's the that, I think that's the problem. Labour, have, if Labour have bit of um, done anything wrong, it's being being too honest. And they've said essentially. You can't. You, we can tell you voters the truth. This is quite complicated. Yeah, wouldn't it have actually been a better idea to sort of step back from the whole thing and say, "Look, we aren't in power, but this is silly." And you know, right from the point that Theresa May outlined her red lines, it would have been the right thing to just oppose that Brexit because her red lines weren't. Were the problem have always been the problem. A soft Brexit would have upset me and any sane people, but as we know, in the country, of the people who could be bothered to go and vote, only 48% of them were sane. But a soft Brexit would have been a sort of adequate solution that would have been all right for most people. It would have come a lot closer to delivering the promises of still having the benefits of being in the... Uh, union without being in the union and that you know a norway star scenario yeah where you have to do as you're told you don't get a say in it uh but you can claim you're not in the eu which for reasons passing understanding would have worked for a lot of people but now as soon as soon as she laid down her red lines it was obvious that we were going to have nothing but a hard brexit it was obvious that we were going to have all of the devastation that comes with that assuming it happened i think labor would were clear but possibly over clever so the the six tests could could essentially never be met but anything other than a sort of brexit in name only and i think that was clear to everybody because they were they were being very clever and attempting to take them all from things that Theresa may had promised at some stage oh yeah and i just think the problem is that from you know standing slightly outside creating those tests looks like it was created to allow a certain freedom of movement inside the Labour Party, if you like. So some people could sound more right-wing and some people could, sorry, more leave, more remain. Whereas a more solid line, because the Tory line was solid enough, would have given you a bit longer to build trust, knowing that the inevitable Tory disaster would head itself, you know. And now we're left in a situation where I don't trust Jeremy Corbyn, especially. I don't trust some chunks of the Labour Party. I think that I think that's possibly the only bit we um, we can find some common ground on. I do believe Labour were right to seek compromise. They weren't able, 
for some reason. They weren't sure in they weren't sure enough to be upfront with what the compromise was going to be. Exactly. Yes. And clever tests, unfortunately, you know, for any relatively large parliamentary party, are going to expose the level of difference of thinking. Whereas a solid line maybe would not. It leaves me feeling very uncomfortable. But then I am also acutely aware that the the root of many cardboard political homes that I chose presents an equally similar problem but without the backing of a party uh, with us all squabbling slightly more publicly you know and or chuck simply moving house every time like oh i could have been a liberal democrat after all it turns out they're not that unpopular i'll pop over there then <laughs> he's, a, he's he's like a man wandering around on a friday night with a bottle of wine and, and a, a um, now album under his arm looking for a party he can pretend <laughs> he's been invited to there's that there, is there anywhere left to go for him apparently the um the both the sdp and the Whigs are still going the, the Whigs that would be a, a, an astonishing comeback wouldn't it <laughs> Okay, so the, but the big question in the in the media this week has been whether or not Jeremy is actually too whether he looks a bit tired. Ah, oh, yeah, he, yeah, Jeremy. Look, what was the word they used? Um, I think the frail was the word. Frail. They, uh, the actual quote in the Times said, "Not quite there mentally or physically." I've often thought he's not quite there mentally. You know, when he's trying to get his head around policy, or especially any areas of policy that have changed since the late seventies. I wouldn't describe him as looking frail. He always looks fancy, you know, fairly healthy to me. I wouldn't mind betting that he would win in a, a cycle race between him and Boris Johnson, for example. Now that would be great. Uh, that would be that would be great television. You know, it's summer. It we want to see some sport because I think Boris would definitely put the enthusiasm in earlier. If it's a short race, I might go for Boris. And if it was a longer one, I think Jeremy Corbyn's got the concentration to just keep looking in the same direction, not be distracted by any zip wires or women that they go past. And, you know, he's not going to wobble off the course. He's going to stay very resolutely on the same course. Any, you know, any ideas he had about going left or right or anything like that, he's going to stick and possibly turn left at every junction. That is actually what you have to do in one of those cycling stadium things. I've seen it. Always left. I'm going to go to Greece next week um, and see the in-laws and we will drive down a spectacular bit of road built, you know, part funded by the European Redevelopment Fund. When I first started going, it was a horrible drive and it was difficult and bouncing most of it. Now, beautiful arcing motorway with almost nobody on it, dives in and out of mountains and across. It just looks great and it's spectacular and it makes this whole area more accessible. And, yeah, I'd like it if there was a railway and they're working on that. Keynesian investment to kickstart a failing economy, to pull it out of recession, that option still could exist. Uh, You've been listening to That Option No Longer Exists, the podcast that dances around those tricky issues of whether or not Adam should stop apologising for the Iraq War. (laughs) I really, it wasn't me. I didn't start it. Uh, see you next time. It's a critique of uh, laissez-faire capitalism, is Top Cat. The poor guy, the poor guys are living in a bin under the oppre- under the oppression of the um, local police, but they still think they're doing well. <laughs>